All right. Let's look at the Word of God. We want to talk about, I think the day I, I organized this, to talk about the certainty of God's witness or of God's testimony. I want to talk about that. I want to talk about love because uh, so often we hear things about love, you know, and we have really cheapened love uh, and in our society, in the world. We've cheapened love. We don't look at love or think about love as we ought to think about love and as we ought to see love. Uh, you, you know, Hollywood has just really made a mess of everything. And I do know that we watch movies and sometimes we, we're entertained by them, but they, they don't know anything about love. When they talk about love, they talk about something that is sensual and something that is destructive to the human psyche. But that's not love at all. And, uh, but God's love just makes you better. It, it causes you and I to develop into the person that God has said we are and that he, Jesus, died to make us. So this love is actually bringing us into maturity. To, so, I, so we are now becoming mature by the love of Jesus. We don't become mature because we somehow are smarter intellectually than someone else. We become mature by love. He just starts to love you and love you. he'll love you into shape. He'll love you into right acts and actions. That's just the way Jesus does it. Uh, you know, if, if you've ever grown up, uh, if you've grown up rather, you know, in the faith and you really endeavored to be just the best person that uh, you could be for the Lord and you stumble. Now, some people act like they never stumble. And, and, and those are the worst kinds of people to deal with, frankly. You know, where you're just so self-righteous, you've never done anything wrong. And then when you do admit it, you, you just half-heartedly be well, yeah, everybody does it wrong. No, but I'm talking about you really love Jesus and you want to please him and you mess up. And then you, you say, Lord, I'm going to do better. And you really love Jesus and you want, want to please him and you mess up. And after a while, you come to place, oh, God, I'm just such a failure. I'm, I'm so sorry, Lord. And that love that Jesus pours out into your heart starts to do something in you that'll make you better and some and but if you don't get better you will always be bitter and we don't want you to be bitter and if you're bitter and you find yourself being bitter but you explain it away you have not really received the love of God you have not received it it doesn't matter you know you may say well I know God loves me but if you got a foul attitude you don't really know yet because the love of God will deal with that it will deal with the bitterness and, and, and the, the hatred that is in some of us. So I want to talk about this amazing, the, the certainty of this love, because you and I can be certain of God's love. And when you're certain of God's love, as I said, you will be better. The text is from 1 John chapter 5, and I will begin in verse 6, because in the previous verses, uh, uh, 4, 5, and 5, uh, uh, John tells us that whatever is born of God, overcomes the world. And so now, when I say these things, I, I want you to really listen to them, not just as it were on a surface level, but I want you to listen to the depth of them. They're simple words, but they're very deep. He says, whatever is born of God overcomes the world. Now, this is what he means, that every one of you born-again ones, so you are born-again ones, every one of you will overcome the world. It's not like it is somehow in doubt based on your performance. No, you're going to overcome the world based on God's love for you. Yeah, based on what God has done for you. He says, whatever is born of God 
overcomes the world. And he says, and this is the victory that overcomes the world, it's our faith. What is, uh, it's not just some nebulous or cloudy or in the air faith. It is faith in the person of Jesus Christ. And so he says, now who, he says, and then John asks us the question, who, who is uh, he who overcomes the world? He says, it is the one who believes uh, uh, in the Son of God, Jesus Christ. So if you believe in Jesus Christ, the Son of God, you will overcome the world. Now, now let me say to you this. Uh, some of us are careless about faith and careless about believing God, careless about our relationship. Don't be careless. I like the, the Spanish word guardar. Guardar has to do with to keep. But, 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 but you, 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 you can't, it also means to guard, which, which implies that you cannot keep anything you don't guard. You, 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 and so you have to guard your faith, believe what God has said, and trust the Lord in it. And so now John tells us, he seems to kind of maybe start a summation, or he's, he kind of changes some things. He says, he says uh, when he says, who is he who overcomes the world, but he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. And then he says to us, this is he, verse 6, who came by water and blood, Jesus Christ. So he's showing us Jesus' humanity. He came by water and blood. Uh, he, he was a human being, a real person. He says, not only by water, but by water and blood. And it is the Spirit who bears witness because the Spirit is truth. And so John predicates, builds his, his message to the church because the church is bombarded at this juncture by by heresy, by things that are not true. Uh, th this was ha had to do with, uh, the, they were in Ephesus, of course, and, and the church was uh, bombarded with uh, false religion. And we are, in our day, bombarded with, with all kinds of false uh, religions and, and, and heresy just everywhere. And we also uh, inundated, uh, flooded, with lies continuously every day and, and, and we'll, we'll maybe deal with some of that in just a moment and so what John wants us to know that Jesus Christ is a real and was a real person um, and then he says and it is the spirit who bears witness because the spirit is truth he wants you to understand that the spirit is now bearing witness or the Holy Spirit gives testimony to all of this is giving testimony then John says in verse 7 for there are three that bear witness in heaven. There are three that bear witness in heaven. He's already told us the water, the blood, uh, and the spirit. And he's talking about in the earth realm, but he's he comes back and he tells us there are three that bear witness in, in, uh, in heaven. Now he wants, he's talking primarily, he's talking to a, a church audience, but without a doubt there are a lot of Jewish people there, and they know that, that in the law, that the, the witness or the testimony of two or three witnesses will establish a matter. And so what he says here is that this is an established matter. You don't need to live in a state of flux. You don't need to live in a place where you go, I don't know what to think. You ought to know what to think. And John is going to show you here. There's no reason, there's no way under the heaven that a believer can say, I don't know what to think, except you're not listening or you're not taking advantage of the, the amazing information and understanding and love that God has freely given to you. Yeah. you. You must be rejecting it all. 
you know, you're like one of those Wonder Woman things, you know, you, you got your shield and you got your little things, you can reflect everything. It must be the case. It must be the case because God loves you. And, uh, and the, 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 the water, the blood uh, that is through Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit have already uh, witnessed that or testified to that. Now, now, Paul says that, I'm sorry, John says that uh, there are three that bear witness in heaven, and he says the Father, the Word, and the Holy Spirit. And these three are one. So he says that now that the Father also is giving testimony. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit are giving testimony to the truth of God Amen. on these pages and in your life. Amen. All right. So then he says, and, verse 8, and there are three that bear witness on earth, the Spirit, the water, and the blood, and these three agree as one. These three agree as one. And so John wants us to understand that no matter what heresy, no matter what lies, no matter how you feel that the Holy Spirit now is in you, and the Holy Spirit now has been given to you, so that now not only do you have a witness with your outer ear, you have an inner witness. You have truth embedded in your spirit, man. In your new heart, you have truth embedded. You have indwelling truth there. And so that is to, as it were, inoculate you uh, from any lies or heresy. Uh, any lies or heresy. Any lies or heresy. So uh, let's continue uh, looking at this. Uh, now, as, I, as we prepare to continue to look at this, uh, let me say that, that, and I'll reiterate this in a moment, God made sure that your victory is assured. What God has done for every believer in here, some of us at different stages of growth, some of us are uh, 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 still toddlers after a long time. And, and, and some of us are grown up into adolescence. Some of us are, are, are now uh, adults. But it, where you are is depending on how you're receiving the truth of God. But whether you are a toddler still or a, a, a teenager, an adolescent or whatever, or an adult in Christ, your victory is assured. Because what God has done for you, he has... He has saved you. Now, if, if salvation is just something theoretical yet to be achieved, we can never say, I am saved. We'll always have to speak in the future, well, one day I will be saved, which means that right now things are precarious. They are uncertain. But God's testimony is certain. So then God has saved a believer. So what does that mean? It means that, that when I was born again, I received a new heart, and the Holy Spirit came to dwell in me. Jesus lives in the believer by his Spirit, and that part is totally sealed, totally saved, doesn't need anything added to it, and that's in you right now. Yeah, doesn't need anything. Now, if somebody says, well, I've got a different theology, you just have a wrong theology, because because. To have been saved means that, that there's something real and actual that has happened. And John says that, that that part of me cannot sin. That part of you cannot sin. I used to have problems with Romans chapter 7 uh, until I realized, whoa, there is a part of me that says, I don't want to do that. 
That's wrong. There is a part of me that says, I'll have nothing to do with that. But there's another part of me that's being saved that says, I'd like to try. But there's a part of you that's saved and will never be tainted by sin that cannot do wrong. And I mean, that, that gives me confidence. I don't know what it does for you, but it gives me confidence in the Word of God. I believe the testimony of God. Amen. And in verse 9, it says, If we receive the witness or testimony of men, the witness or the testimony of God is greater. Now, you know we receive the testimony of men always, right? If somebody is, go, goes to court and we've got two uh, witnesses, they said, No, I saw this person do such and such. And another one comes, yes, I saw it. The jury convicts you because of the word of those, of those two witnesses. And what the scripture is saying here is that if we receive the witness of men or if we believe what, what men are saying, what women are saying when they are witnesses in court, the testimony of God is much greater than that. Much greater than that. And he says here, for this is the testimony of God which he has testified of his son. He's talking to those believers who are bombarded with all kinds of crazy stuff, just like you are. I've never seen it in my lifetime, and I'm older than most people here. I've not, never seen it coming so ferociously with great fury to try to deceive even the elect of God. That's how bodacious the devil is. That's how vile and evil he is. He thinks he can can even deceive you. But I have someone living inside me that cannot be deceived, that does not listen to his voice. And you have also, and you have also, now this is what he says, he who believes in the Son of God has the witness or the testimony in himself. Wow. Is that amazing or not? Come on. Christianity is not with, well, I don't know if I want to believe it. I, I don't know. So where did Cain get his wife? You know, all that craziness. Listen to what he says. He who believes in the Son of God, do I have believers in the house? Come on, can I give a God a wave offering if you're a believer? Can you just give him a wave offering unashamedly? Now, if you can't wave for God, I don't know if God's going to be looking down on you. Too nice to hear. Wait a minute. Don Lavelle. First chapter, right? <laughs> he who believes in the Son of God has the testimony in himself. And so this is what God wants you to know. With the Spirit of God, you have the testimony inside you. You have the truth of you inside you because the Spirit is truth. And Jesus tells us that he himself is the way, he is the truth, and he is the life. All right, so you have the truth in you. He who does not believe God has made him a liar because he has not believed the testimony that God has given of his son. And so what John wants to do is wants to implant in us that the son is instrumental to everything that God does and the son is important. If you have the son, you have life. There is no other way to God except through the son. John is emphatic. John says, no, we're the ones who have heard him. We have seen him. We have handled him. We ate with him after he rose from the dead. He said, this is the truth. This is what John is saying. And so this is what we say again. And John brings, as it were, uh, he brings, as it were, God's testimony, God's words uh, here to bear upon the situation. That is, that is, don't accept anything 
other than what John is saying here. He says, and um, he says, if you don't believe this word, you have made God a liar. In other words, you're saying God doesn't tell the truth. So all of us today should receive Jesus and, uh, uh, into our heart. We should receive Jesus and say, okay, it doesn't matter how I feel. It doesn't matter what kind of emotions I have today. Jesus has saved me. That Jesus is the eternal life and that there is no other way to God. There's nothing, more, there's nothing that we can say that would make things acceptable for us to, to say deny Jesus or say there are other ways to God. Verse 11, he says, and this is the testimony that God has given us eternal life. Now notice what he says, and this is what God has testified, that he had given us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. So God now has given each one of us eternal life. We have eternal life right now because we have the Son. The one who has the Son has life. So, so this combats all error. It combats all error. And this is not just something for church, all right? This is not something just what we do on a Sunday or perhaps one day during the week. This is a reality every day of my life. It doesn't matter if someone says, well, science proves such and such. Whatever contradicts God is a liar because God cannot lie. That's the reality for all of us. And so take this reality. Yes, go ahead and give the Lord some glory. Take this reality into your workplace. Take this reality into every sphere uh, that you operate in. Take this reality there. It doesn't matter what the world is saying. The world is saying all kinds of crazy things. The, 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 the devil's intent is to even deceive the elect. But the scripture says if it were possible, these, the, the lies are so good, it could even deceive the, the elect if it were possible. But it's not possible. It's not possible. Now, now, it's not possible. Now, you may be sort of on the fence for a little while, you, but it's not possible. It's not possible. I find believers uh, really in, in very bad places, you know, but this is what I know from Scripture reading. I, I see believers standing on ground they all not stand on. And, uh, you know, you, you try to say these things where everybody wants to take issue with you. But, I, it, but I, my mind goes back to Joshua, uh, I think is. Well, anyway, in Joshua, um, chapter, whatever it is. Uh, maybe it's chapter 5, verse 13, or chapter 13, verse 5. It's when the, the captain of the Lord's host comes. Uh, the captain of the Lord's host, I think, maybe Joshua, chapter 5, verse 13. Maybe that's it. Is that it? Find it for me. 5.13, Okay. You can help me out anytime you want to in the booth back there. <laughs> so, so in Joshua chapter 5, verse 13, when Joshua sees the captain of the Lord, so he doesn't know who he is, but he sees this amazing figure. I, I always come back to that. It's an amazing story of, of, of how God positions himself. And so he sees this guy, this man, with a sword drawn, and he goes over and says, hey, are you for our adversaries or are you for us? He says, no. I mean, what kind of answer is that? He says, no. And, and, and he says, but as captain of the Lord's host, I have come. So I have come to do the will of God. I haven't come to be with you or with you. I have come to do the will of God. And so it's up to you to decide where you're going to stand. You know, and so, and so this is what he, he does. And so, 
But you ask yourself, why does he say that? And he says that because where the Lord's people are, there's somebody who doesn't belong to the Lord. And that is, there, there's a guy named Achan over there, and, and he is, he's not part of really uh, what God is doing. He's totally disobedient to God, doing his own thing over there, but he's in the Lord's camp. But you've got somebody over in the camp of the enemy, they're over there, they look like they don't belong to God, we're going to destroy all of them. They need to all go to hell, so to speak, you know. But no, there's a girl over there who's a prostitute, been a prostitute, been a one, probably the only thing she knew how to do to, to, to feed her family. You know, I'm not, not, not endorsing it. I'm just saying that's probably the situation. And, uh, but she, she believed God. She's over there believing God. Now, she's in the camp of the enemy, but she believes God. And the people over in the camp of God think nobody in the camp of the enemy can believe God. But look at the love of God. He saves her. He saves her. He saves her and her family because she believes God. She believed the testimony of God. Do you believe the testimony of God? John tells us that this is the testimony that God has given us, eternal life, and this life is in his Son. Verse 12, he who has the Son has life. He who has the Son has life. You have the Son, you have life. You have the Son, you have life. You, you may not look like what you're going to look like, but you have life, and you overcome the world. He who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son does not have life. These things I have written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God. These things I have written to you who believe uh, in the name of the Son of God. I've written these things to you because you believe in the name of the Son of God. That you may know. I've written these that you may know that you have eternal life that you have presently eternal life and that you may continue to believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may continue to believe. Now, what he's not saying is that your continuing to believe may be doubtful. That's not what the Scripture is saying. He is not saying that, okay, maybe you won't continue to believe. No, because you now have the Son, you will continue to believe. Now that you have the Son, you will persevere through whatever comes against you. There are, the, I, I would dare say, there are people here today who, has gone, who have gone through things that would have killed an ordinary person. You've been through all kinds of difficulties. You've been through, through things where your mind, you thought you were going to lose your mind. There were things you thought you were having a heart attack because of the pressures that were coming against you. You thought you would be on somebody's seventh floor, some hospital uh, where they were giving you strong meds because of the pain and the anguish you've been through. But you got through. You got through. Yeah. And you got through because of the one who lives in you, not because of you. You got through because of the one who lives in you, not because of you. You got through because of what God did for you, not what you have done for God. What did God do for you? He gave you the Son of God. He poured out his love generously in your heart by the Holy Spirit. He gave you the spirit of truth in your heart. That's why you stand. That's why you sit. That's why you are here. That's why you continue. That's why you persevere because of what God has done for you. It's all the love of God. It's the love of God. The love of God. Love is not some small thing. 
And love is not always what you think it is. Because we always think it's what's coming to me. No, it's what's coming from you too. If you can't love unlovely people, you've not yet fully embraced the love of God. Thank you, Jesus. You know what, what the love of God, one thing the love of God has done for me, it, it, is, it has closed my mouth. Yeah. I used to say to God, you know, I, I felt like that guy in, in this movie when he was in love with this girl. And he used to wonder, why am I acting like this? He said, you know, some movie called Major Pain, I think it was. I hope it was a good movie. You know, he would go, why am I acting like this? You know, if you've never ever said that to yourself, you know, somebody did something, said something, and it was not right, and you, and you, you know, would, would fly off the handle, you go, why am I acting like this? I'm supposed to be saved, you know? You know, so, so you talk to God, God, help me. And then God just starts to love you. And just love that mouth shut. Yeah, that's what God is, is doing. Now, he's given us the Holy Spirit. I love the Holy Spirit. I know it all depends on where you're coming from, sort of uh, theologically and maybe denominationally. Sometimes people think the Holy Spirit is just so they can act weird. I, I'm not against... No, no, no. No, I'm not, against, I'm not against people being active. I mean, you can be active. I mean, I, I mean I'm animated most of the time. You know, but, uh, but uh, you know, the Holy Spirit doesn't come so you can act weird, be weird, and run people away if they think you're crazy. You know, but the Holy Spirit has come. He has brought you the life of God. He has brought Christ into you. He has brought truth into you. He has brought wisdom into you and understanding into you that's greater than any of those other things. And not only that, he has brought history into you. Yeah, you and I now share God's history. Wow. Yeah. It's brought history. I'm grateful to that. So God has testified. I have given you life. I've given you my spirit. And when he says that, he brought the history of God to us. Because the Holy Spirit is the only person active on the earth today who was there in the beginning when God spoke. So the Holy Spirit, he's the witness of the Father, it, it has brought this amazing experience of God to us. He's brought the testimony of God to us. So now we don't just have testimony that we can see with our eyes written on even the pages of the book here, but we have the, the witness of God, the very testimony of God written on the pages of our hearts. That's who God has made us, a special people. There's nothing like Christianity in the whole world. There's nothing like what God has done for you in the whole world. So stop acting like mere men and women. Stop acting ordinary. Wow. Believe in this amazing love. And you know, and what, what, you know the, th the amazing thing is that sometimes people will say to me, well, Pastor, the way you preach, you know, maybe we ought to have us a, a Christian party. I said, no, we don't want that. We don't want to have a Christian political party. We, we just want to be kingdom. Because God may have you on this side, you know, to help folks on this side. He may have you on that side to help people on that side. But you know that whether you're on that side or you're on this side, you're not on either side, really. You're for God. That's what really happens. That's what God wants in us. That's what God wants in us. That's what God wants in us. So how does one know that, that he or she has eternal life? Because God himself has testified to you that you do. Paul says that the God has sent the spirit of his son to your heart, crying out, Abba, 
father. Like, daddy, daddy, papa. That's what he has done. And then John, uh, in, in verse 14, he talks about confidence, uh, confidence that God has not also, because of his love, given you and me confidence so you can have confidence. So what is confidence? It means that you, are, you can be outspoken about what you believe. When you start to mature and you really understand the love of God, you become outspoken. You're not a closet Christian. Not a closet Christian. You know, everybody's coming out of their closets, but, but some Christians are still closet Christians. You're still in the closet. You, you know, you're not outspoken. You're not frank about your faith in Jesus. You're, you're talk, talking about, I'm, I've got to use wisdom. Well, use some wisdom and be frank. Show some confidence. Speak words of assurance. As a matter of fact, we, 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 you know, in America, we talk a lot about a lot of stuff. I, I studied political science. I wanted to be a part of that, that stuff. I'm so glad, glad God circumvented it and didn't do it. But, but we always talk about freedom of speech. You know, we talk about freedom of speech. Y'all know? Y'all got real quiet when I said those few words. <laughs> oh, don't get too quiet. Don't make me think. At least we don't have any stones here. But, but, but when we have confidence in God, it means freedom of speech. So we, we, we really prize freedom of speech in America. Used to. Freedom of speech. You can say what you want to and we still love you. You can say what you want to. We may disagree with you, but we still love you. Now, if you, if, you, if you have true freedom of speech, we don't love you anymore. Doesn't even matter what side you're on. We just don't love you. We don't care about you. You can't say that. You know, if you really love the country, you can't say that, you know. Or you must hate the country because you said that. Are you with me? I'm still, I'm, I'm helping somebody maybe. Maybe, maybe. But, but here we're talking about God and the kingdom, that God comes and saves you and he gives you confidence. In other words, he gives you freedom of speech. That's what this word means. He gives you a freedom of speech. He gives you a boldness. He gives you frankness. Wow. It doesn't mean that you just go and dribble over everything. No, it doesn't mean that. Now listen to what verse 14 says. It says, now this is the confidence, this is the boldness that we have in him. Boldness, the assurance, the freedom of speech. I can say it because God said it. This is the, the boldness, the confidence that we have in him that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, now we know he hears us because he's told us he hears us. And so, so he says, now if, or since we know that he hears us, rather than saying if, since we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we have asked of him. Wow. So when he's showing us a, a real freedom of speech, that the love of God brings a freedom of speech to all believers. Wow. That day is coming very soon. We're going to see with our eyes. Because the Bible says the knowledge of the glory of the Lord is going to cover the earth as the waters cover the sea. We're going to see it with our eyes. Brothers and sisters are going to pop up from everywhere speaking the truth. And we're going to say, well, what have they been listening to? They've been listening to the Holy Spirit because we have been called to awaken the Spirit of God. In them. Amen. We're going to awaken the Spirit of God. In them. Wow. Wouldn't that be a, a, isn't that going to be a great day? Amen. 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 My daughter said to one of our brothers here, she was saying, uh, yeah, some of this stuff, 
it happens and it's just messy with you. She said, I'll even have you side-eyeing somebody like Nathan. <laughs> side-eyeing. I hadn't heard of that one. Yeah, you know what that means, right? Look, what does that mean? Looking at them funny? Is that right? Side-eyeing? Like that, maybe? Yeah. Yeah, side-eyeing. Yeah, yeah. So, so since this stuff is making, it's coming to make you side-eye. You know? Looking at your brother and sister like, I don't know about you. I don't know about you. Wow. So we're not going to do any of that. Now listen. In verse 16 says, if anyone sees his brother sinning a sin which does not lead to death, he will ask, and he, God, will give him life for those who commit sin not leading to death. This is what he's saying. It says, some things you can do so bad, God will take you. But you don't lose. You'll never lose what God has done. You'll never lose that, but God will take you. He says, there is a sin leading to death. I do not say that he should pray or one should pray about that. All unrighteousness is, a, is sin, and there is a sin not leading to death. Now, I'm going to end this, the first service I wasn't able to get to this, but let me just talk to you about knowing the, uh, the true thing and rejecting false things. Knowing true and rejecting false. And this is how we do it. We know because of the love of God. In, in verse 18, uh, uh, John reiterates some things. He says, we know that whoever is born of God does not sin. We know that. But he who has been born of God, uh, King James says, keeps himself. And the wicked one does not touch him. Uh, you know, it doesn't mean that you and I can keep ourselves. But I think the King James is trying to, to give a, a thought that, that because of the indwelling Christ, you're now able to... to Walk in the truth. You're, you're, you're able to be kept. I like the way that the English Standard Version reads it, uh, writes it. It says, we know that everyone who has been born of God does not keep on sinning. He just doesn't. There comes a place where sin is just not something you deal with. Uh, you know, it's just not, 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 not in, the, in the context that I'm, I'm preaching. It's not something you always struggle. Here you are, 95 years old. Say, yeah, I still got that problem. I've been having it since I was five. I just can't wait to get to see Jesus. And no, uh, you, you deal with that stuff. You know, you, 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 go, you, you hate sin. You, you dislike sin. You can't stand it. And, and you, you, you want to be delivered from it. Paul says, who will deliver me from this body of death? I thank God uh, through Jesus Christ. And so Jesus Christ delivers you from that. And this is what, what John is, is bringing to us, that we are growing in the Lord in a powerful way. We are all growing in the Lord. Even the little, little ones are not as baby-ish as they were. Now notice what he says. We know that everyone who has been born of God does not keep on sinning, but he who was born of God protects him. Speaking of Jesus, Jesus protects you, and the evil one does not touch you. That's what he's saying. And then John says, we know that we are of God. We know that we're of God. Now, if there's anybody here you've been doubting, John says, we know that we're of God. And the whole world lies under the sphere of the wicked one. I, I want to just say this just very emphatically, very forcefully. I want to say this very forcefully. You can know that you belong to God. That's the most important knowledge you need to leave here with today. I have been born of God. Jesus tells us that which is born of the flesh is flesh. Yes. That which is born of the spirit is spirit. 
not is a is spirit. You are you cannot be born of God without taking on the nature of God. You cannot be born of God without taking on the nature of God. Then notice here. Notice here. We know that we are of God. We know every one of you has been born again. It doesn't matter what struggles you have. You've been born of God. You have the nature of God. And you have to keep listening to the truth so that the nature of God is seen in your everyday conduct. The whole world, all those who are not born of God, lies under the sway of the wicked one. It's a satanic system. It's a system of darkness. I didn't come here to preach doom and gloom. I'm talking about you overcoming. I'm talking about you having victory. I'm saying that when, no matter what is formed against you, I, I quote the scripture all the time, no weapon formed against you can prosper. And I'm going to inculcate and inculcate that, embed that into you till you walk that out. No weapon formed against you can prosper. Amen. Now, the last two verses. And we know that the Son of God has come and has given us an understanding. We know that he has given us an understanding. What is the understanding about? That we may know him who is true. Wait a minute. So the, 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 the Son of God, Jesus, has come and has given us an understanding that we might know him who is true. And we are in him who is true, in his Son, Jesus Christ. We are in Christ. We are in the truth. We have the truth in us. We are the pillar and ground of the truth. That's who we are, the church. We are the light of the world. We are the salt of the earth. We are the city that is set on a hill that cannot be hidden. We are the church. And I say, let God arise. In all of the people of God, let God arise. Let God arise. This Jesus is the true God, and he is the eternal life. He is the eternal life. I'd like to pray with you. May we pray? Father, I'm grateful to you for just allowing me to share from these words of scripture and I pray that my brothers and sisters would just embrace you all the more I pray that they would not just listen to this and walk out the same way the same doubts and fears I pray that they would let go and you who have come to give us understanding will help us to walk out whatever we're going through so I bless them in the name of Jesus. You said in your word that he who is not with you is against you. And he who does not gather with you scatters. You said that in your word. I pray that we all would be with you and we would, not, we would gather with you and not scatter. You said whoever desires to come after you has to deny himself and take up his cross and follow after denying what we want. And I thank you for denying 
so many things that I've wanted in life. They, are, they were not worth it. Thank you. You said whoever desires to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for your sake and the gospel will save it. And you are saying there are things you want us to give up so that we'll have the life. We just give those things up so we'll have life. I pray today to my left and to my right and to all those in front of me that men and women, boys and girls will say, no, I give this stuff up for Jesus. Jesus is worth it. When you say, but what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and he loses his own soul? What will it profit if we had the whole world full of gold, dollar bills, and euros? But we are lost. But what will a man give in exchange for his soul? And then you said, whoever is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation of him, the Son of Man, will also be ashamed when he comes in the glory of the Father and the holy angels. So I pray, Lord God, that that's nobody like that here today. But should there be somebody like this, I pray that you would convict their hearts. And I pray that that person would say with me, God, forgive me of my sins. Come into my heart. Save me. Make me a new person. And I will serve you. I will honor you. I will walk with you all the days of my life. Thank you for hearing my voice. Thank you for forgiving me. I receive Jesus as your son. You said in your word today that Jesus is the eternal life. And I receive Jesus. Therefore, I receive life today. Father, I thank you for those who have prayed that in the name of Jesus. Now, before I, I'm finished, I want to ask if you prayed that and you meant that, I just want to see your hand. Believe it up until I can see it to my right. Is there anybody else? I see yours. Did I see yours as well? And yours, and yours, and yours, and yours, and yours. Is there anybody in front of me? You prayed that for the first time. May I see your hand? Anyone? Anyone? What about here? Is anyone? Yes. Oh, I see your hand. Yes, sir. I see it. And I see yours. Yes, ma'am. I see yours and yours, ma'am. And I see yours. Yes. Father, thank you for those who pray. Yes, ma'am. I see it. Yes, Father, in Jesus' name. 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 You know, those of you after, after the service, I want you to come and I want to shake your hand and just bless you. When those of you raise your hand, don't be ashamed. After the service today, we're going to have communion now. Come. We're going to have communion now. And Pastor Ken is coming, leading everybody down. And we're going to serve. But wait, and we're going to eat and drink together. We're going to have communion. Thank you so much.